0: Welcome to the IAF Global Regulatory Update podcast. I'm Martin Boer, Director of Regulatory Affairs at the Institute of International Finance in Washington, DC. For this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Merlina Menokuren, a partner at McKinsey & Company, and her colleague, Sumya Banaye, a cyber solutions expert. Both Merlina and Sumya are based in New York. Merlina and Sumya, I hope that you, your family, and your colleagues are all safe and healthy in these difficult times. In this podcast, we're going to discuss the key findings of our joint IF mckinsey survey and research project on cyber resilience and how financial firms are enabling and strengthening their overall cyber resilience. Marlena, we'll start with you. Can you explain to us how you define cyber resilience and why is this such an important consideration for firms to undertake? Also, given the current devastating impact of COVID-19, How does cyber resilience help firms safeguard their operations and provide continuity through these types of periods of uncertainty?
1: First off, let me just say thank you, Martin, on behalf of the McKinsey team for both your as well as your team's collaboration uh, throughout this this entire research effort. We We have greatly enjoyed this. Um, second and you know just as important i do want to say to all our listeners i hope everyone's families you know themselves your colleagues and your friends are all safe and healthy let me answer your question martin in two ways right so i think the first one was how do we think about cyber resilience and why is it important so, so we think of cyber resilience as within the broad umbrella of operational resilience, which is the ability to adapt to changing conditions and, and to be able to, you know, both withstand and then very quickly recover from any disruption due to emergencies. And so, and so this could be, you know, everything from terrorism to cyber attacks to pandemics to natural disasters, um, as well as I'm sure we can think of a range of other, you know, emergency scenarios. Um, Of course, this is important to, 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 to firms to ensure that they are able to be responsive to changes in the environment and able to meet their mission and their goals. And then we get to the second part of your question, which is, you know, you said given the devastating impact of COVID-19, how can you show cyber resilience here to actually safeguard the operations, right? And I think COVID-19 is a use case and a very important use case around testing and, you know, proving the resilience of many firms, um, our our point of view when it comes to cybersecurity is COVID 19 presents a dual mission for CISOs as well as their you know security teams right because you need to be protecting your institution while enabling operations to go on uh, without interruption. Right. So, so we've seen companies experience exponential growth in volume of web-based traffic and your cyber teams need to make sure that the existing security controls don't create choke points in areas such as customer login uh, to web, mobile app, payment verifications, etc., which might impact customer experience. Right. Um, the, the second part of it is, you know, systems are also, of course, facing challenge that their teams are working remotely and that impacts, you know, efficiency as well as puts additional pressure on the technology infrastructure, right? Uh, so, you know, similar to some of the mission critical tech teams, larger security organizations have, have used, you know, the follow the sun global center approach to ensure business continuity. The, the the global nature of this, you know, pandemic is actually creating even more challenges for, you know, security operations, et cetera, that, that were actually designed for physically, you know, access controlled environment. And so, and so these are challenging times for sure. And, you know, a a. a a good way to actually test the resilience planning that that you know firms have been very actively doing.
0: Thank you, Marlena. And we've also very much enjoyed working with you on this project. Sumya, sticking to the current situation, are there particular technologies uh, that companies are using to be more resilient and enable them to protect their operations when so many of their colleagues and clients might be working remotely during this global pandemic?
2: First of all, thank you, Martin, from my side as well for the opportunity. Uh, and my thoughts and prayers for you know, everyone who has been going through this uh, global pandemic crisis. Regarding a question, um, I think work from home and working remote has definitely opened multiple attack vectors um, that enterprise need to deal with. We think probably I'll categorize them into two buckets. One is around security controls around the immediate infrastructure supporting the work from home remote environment. And the second bucket is around security controls around your existing business operations that need to be tweaked in or or tightened due to the increased attack surface being exposed. And what I mean by the first bucket around security controls around infrastructure. So for example, you can think about testing and scaling your VPN systems, given everyone is working remote and logging in through VPN, incident response tools and technologies. Uh, The companies may also want to visit the access management policies on how employees connect to critical infrastructure through personal devices or open internet facing channels which was not a uh, you know option before the the other part of it is like looking into the vulnerabilities around your video conferencing applications uh, you know some recent vulnerabilities were identified around uh, windows login attackers stealing in windows login credentials through a video conferencing application Law enforcement has been recently warning about something called like a video conferencing bombing instead of like a similar to a photo bombing where uninvited people are joining private meetings and eavesdropping on private audio, video and documents. So organize, as an organization, you definitely need to lay down those enterprise standards around how people will now need to conduct business in this remote work environment. And I would say the second category is, uh, you know, tightening or tweaking the existing business operations. Um, so think about areas like application access rights. Um, we need to ensure technology like multi-factor authentication. So if, even if your password is compromised and employees access is not compromised, if you have a secondary control using your you know, cell phone or a device that authenticates that this is the right person. Um, companies may also need to look into like monitoring of phishing attacks. Uh, people are in a panic and fear mode, so they are clicking on emails or, you know, a link about uh, some news about the global pandemic. And, and people need to really be uh, monitored around what what those links contain. Uh, lastly, I would probably give an example around monitoring the call center transactions. The fake calls are in rise because, you know, attackers know that companies are getting overwhelmed with call volumes and may want to exploit that side of things to impersonate it as a as another customer and try to execute some transaction. So overall, I would say these are the common areas, but obviously there are m- much more areas, but I would say these were like probably the key areas to focus on.
0: Great. Thank you for the useful guidance. For this, for this joint project, we surveyed 27 globally active firms in financial services. And more than 50 companies also participated in our group discussions around the world that we had with them and McKinsey. Marlena, what about your first take on these results? What what findings in the cyber resilience survey did you find to be most interesting?
1: So so there were a couple of things that were actually really interesting findings the first is at the level of firm specific capabilities we had actually mapped a series of questions against the seven dimensions of the financial services sector cybersecurity profile so this is for for, for those who are not not familiar with it right looking at the seven dimensions of you know governance identify protect detect respond bond recover, as well as supply chain dependency management, right? And the the finding that we we, we, we found on the firm-specific capabilities, right, was companies with more than a trillion dollar in assets had had a higher average resilience score uh, across these seven dimensions compared to smaller, presumably less less complex firms, right? um the other thing that was there there was there, there was actually interesting was across these seven dimensions right um firms seem to score higher on dimensions such as identify and protect uh, versus recover and mostly supply chain dependency management, right, was actually the least mature in terms of the dimension, right. So, for example, thirty three percent of companies who, who who responded said they don't have proper vendor remote access management with multi factor authentication. So, so, there was a bunch of findings around, you know, firm firm specific capabilities. Um, on the spending side, which was a second bucket that we actually looked at, um, roughly about 40% or so of the responding firms said they feel they're spending the right amount. And then others, you know, largely said they are underspending. And, and when we dug a little bit deeper and we said, you know, where where is the spending going? About 40% or so said they feel they are overspending on protection. And, you know, about 50%, so about half the respondents said they are underspending on recover as well as supply chain, which, which goes in line with the findings on the Capabilities itself, right? And and it raises an important question, which 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 we can talk about later about, you know, thinking about not just you know spending red large, but thinking about spending in which areas and how do you you know that over time. Um, another area that we actually talked about was around collaboration, you know, across the financial services sector. And in here we found that firms generally had a high appetite for firms to increase collaboration uh, for developing sector-wide resilience, right? Um, In this case, North America was slightly ahead, followed by Europe. But but as everyone knows, the cyber threats are global in nature. And so you're only as strong as your weakest link in the global chain, right? And so we see this as an interesting opportunity to raise the financial services sector collaboration across the globe.
0: Great. Thank you, Merlina. Turning to you, Sumja, and given your extensive experience in the cybersecurity industry, were there any results that, for you, were quite surprising?
2: Yeah, you know, Martin. So I've been, you know, in the cybersecurity field for over thirteen years now, and it's interesting to see that a lot has changed, you know, over the over the time. And I've served across the globe, and I've seen the companies in, you know, in in, in multiple continents. Um, It's important to now talk about advanced analytics and AI to solve cybersecurity threats. But it's equally important to look at some of the basics, you know, such as companies need to be fully aware of their assets, have robust patch management, and quick turnaround in fixing identified vulnerabilities. And these are the basics that have been there for, you know, since I have been um, serving clients in this area. And our survey found some of these basics still remain as the same concern as it used to be. You know, some large financial services across the board are still working through to ensure effective hygiene of their technology infrastructure in a, in a sustainable manner. You know, if we look back at the past major attacks in recent years, very few of them had used a zero-day vulnerability, what we call as like a completely unknown vulnerability. Most cybersecurity compromises are based on known vulnerabilities. You know, people know about it, but attackers were able to exploit the security control gaps and the delay in remediation of these vulnerabilities to, you know, breach data or or do some more malicious activity. So I think that was a good insight for me, you know, doing a survey now that some of these issues are still something that financial services especially needs needs to tackle with.
0: The firms that participated in our survey are large um, international firms who are already among the most sophisticated when it comes to cyber resilience. Marlena, what are some of the key challenges that even these firms have identified and what can be done about them?
1: So the biggest challenge we heard through the survey was around talent gap in cyber, right? And and I I don't think this would be surprising to folks, but we see even the largest global firms actually struggling with this um, due to demand in recent years, right? So you have, we've got a great many number of organizations uh, that are competing to hire in a somewhat limited talent pool. And so, you know, we, we saw about 50% of the companies say they expect their team size to grow in the near future due to both changes in the responsibilities as well as necessary capabilities that actually need to be put in place um of course you know firms are firms are doing everything they can to meet this talent need right including you know sourcing from you know greater number of markets uh working through a public private partnership to actually increase the talent pool you know within within certain areas including in north america Um, The other challenges that that, that we saw coming out of this is um, how to reduce cyber risk as firms are increasingly adopting cloud, right? How to think about cyber risk um, as you're going through digital transformations. Many of these firms are in in peril right now, Um, digitizing processes, customer slash client outreach. And so thinking through how to embed cybersecurity within those digital transformations. Um, and then, of course, unsurprisingly, we, we we heard, you know, several things around challenges for managing regulatory compliance. Uh, the regulatory landscape has obviously, you know, increased uh, in terms of expectations of protection of customer data, client data. And so firms are also challenged to actually make sure that they keep up with it. I think one thing that we are we are increasingly starting to see among the larger firms as they as they deal with these challenges in you know, a cloud digital regulatory is the bringing together of multiple uh, groups within the organisation to deal with the cyber uh, uh, risk. Right, so not just relying on the security teams, but but you know also pulling in risk compliance as what needed, so so that you can have a firm wide response to actually each of these challenges.
0: Thank you. Those are all a very good uh, considerations. Um, if we focus in on the supply chains and third party vendors, and obviously for the need for firms to have proper cybersecurity controls around those third parties, Sumya, what are some of the considerations that firms are making in this space and what are the actions that they're undertaking to do so?
2: Yeah, Martin, I think um, it is very interesting that uh, companies have been you know, focusing a lot in building up their security controls around employees. But I think uh, a number of them were uh, at some point relying on the contractual obligations and not for, for regarding their vendors and not paying enough attention to their vendors, you know, not just a third party, but even fourth party and fifth party sec- uh, vendors, uh, security controls around them. And, and our survey kind of reflected that. And as Marina was saying, like things like vendor a- remote access management came out as a, as a key theme around it. You know, there's a saying that you, that you sweat in peace lest you bleed in war. Uh, and if you see the current circumstances, um, people who had invested, companies who had invested in, like, vendor remote access would be, would be worrying less about, uh, you know, going through this uh, crisis during this, you know, people are working remote because their vendors are working remote across the globe. And, and that is a huge concern for some companies that, that have not proper controls around this area. So, in addition to the access control, I would say some of the sophisticated, especially financial services companies, are integrating their kind of a joint monitoring and response capabilities with their vendors. So, if if the business has a critical third-party vendor system dependency, companies don't don't want to just rely on the vendor response, but want to make sure that their incident and security teams can monitor data and operations around these critical vendor systems as well as synchronize the response to these incidents. So yeah, I would say access management, incident response, and, and joint monitoring would be the key themes I have seen regarding the vendor and supply chain management from a cybersecurity standpoint.
0: Perfect, thank you. In this uh, report, we also concluded with a number of uh, recommendations, uh, you know, based on, on the survey responses and what we learned uh, from our members in terms of what a firm can do to enhance their cybersecurity posture, Marlena, can you share with us some of these leading practices uh, and why these are the most useful ones? So, so clearly, a, a key a key piece in terms of leading practices is around reducing the supply
1: chain risk. Just just given, you know, unsurprisingly, how that came out as you know a a, a dimension that is of lower maturity. Beyond that, there is also just the making sure firms do the basics, right? So, for instance, patching the vulnerabilities, making sure you know your uh, you have current vulnerability scan coverage, you've, you've got the right set of patch patch management practices, and that there is transparency to the senior leadership, right, in terms of when there are actually delays or or when you might be accepting the risk, right. Um, I think I think there is also a piece here around just making sure there is a closer look in terms of evaluating cyber spending against key risks as well as the impact of the spending on actually reducing the risk, right? This has obviously been a big challenge for firms, but I think over time, as as, as we're seeing, you know, a range of tools and mechanisms to actually reduce cyber risk, just being sharper about where the investments are actually going in terms of the risk management, right? Um, and then the other one I will mention since we actually talked about the talent challenge, right, is actually just, you know, um, making sure that firms are constantly, you know, thinking through what is the talent that they need in which teams and, you know, how you can make sure that you provide the continuous learning opportunities uh, to help the existing employees adapt to new tools as well as technologies, right? There may be instances on, you know, operational processes that could rely on automation, but there is also plenty of need for cyber talent and just making sure that you're keeping the employees current in terms of the technologies and methodologies
0: that are out there. So you really have to balance your people, processes, and what we call plants in the past. That's right. Right. Sumya, in uh, closing, and also maybe looking a bit outward, can you talk a bit about the digital transformation that these firms are going through around cyber risk? And to what extent are they making use of automation and and things like cognitive computing?
2: Yeah, Martin. I think. Our our survey kind of showed that uh, companies are ahead in terms of automation, compared to using uh, cognitive computing or other advanced analytics. 65% of the respondents said that they are already using or in the process of implementing some automation technologies in their cybersecurity operations, compared to around 23% who said they are deploying or planning to deploy certain cognitive technologies such as advanced analytics, machine learning in their cyber processes. So I think automation, so I'd focus on automation. I think that has a huge potential for a number of reasons. Uh, firstly, I would say that you know, the cost pressure and talent gap that we talked about. I think automation, as Merlin also mentioned, brings an opportunity to optimize the security operations. Uh, I would say some low hanging areas around incident triaging, security orchestration, and response, access management, these are the areas where automation will see a surge in like actually this year and the next one to two years. Um, In addition, I would say automation also helps to respond faster and effectively, especially in in times of crisis. Like if you take today, like current environment, um, areas like data protection, device monitoring, endpoint protection, these are seeing great benefits from uh, companies that had invested in orchestration and, uh, and automation processes. Uh, in terms of the cognitive technologies, um, I think we have seen progress in monitoring and anomaly detection for the most part. Uh, the other use cases and other areas in cyber security, I think will probably take a couple of years before we see a larger adoption of uh, cognitive technologies.
0: Thank you Sumya and also thank you to Marlena for what has been a very interesting Conversation about cyber resilience. Anyone interested in our joint cyber resilience survey report can download it at mckinsey.com website or the iif.com website. And we encourage you to reach out to us with any questions. Thank you for listening to the IIF Global Regulatory Update podcast. Please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts.